Hey guys, before we start today's uh, premiere episode of Bottom of the Barrel starring me, Jeff Bell, you know, as sexy as I am, I have to introduce myself twice. That's really sad. Anyways, before we start, I have a little housekeeping to do. We have a very, very special, brand new, awesome show, besides the one that you're going to listen to now, coming to the uh, Ghost Hat Network. And it's called Cube Pushers, starring our good, good friend, Bill Corey, who, um, if you listen to the Green Rumors first episode, we were interviewing him, and now he's got his own podcast, kind of talking a little bit about games and board games and car games, awesome stuff, very cool. I shouldn't even bother telling you about it, because, frankly, his commercial that I'm going to play in 10 seconds here is going to be even better than anything I could possibly say. So, get ready, listen to that, and then stick around for my amazing review of Star Crash. So, well, I just, I'm going to stop. Okay, here we go. Bye-bye. words let's play a board game fill you with overwhelming boredom sick to death of playing monopoly and sorry at family reunions dear lord isn't there something better out there yes there is we'll tell you all about it we're the cube pushers a podcast all about designer board and card games but with a little attitude check us out at cubepushers.com or search for us on itunes keep gaming space scenes action Princesses in distress. The Emperor. Is this Star Wars? No. It's David Hasselhoff in his second action-packed filmic role, Star Crash, on today's episode of Bottom of the Barrel. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Bottom of the Barrel, the show where we find terrible, terrible, but very enjoyable films on Hulu and Netflix and present them to you in a short, concisive review, hopefully trying to spread the word for these little-known gems. Today's film is a little-known movie, hence why we're doing it, called Star Crash. It's a 1978 Italian-made film that stars... David Hasselhoff. No, 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 no. Before you all get excited and are like, oh my goodness, is he going to be running on the beach? Is he going to be driving in a car? Is he going to be eating a cheeseburger off of a bathroom floor? No, let me tell you, this is early David Hasselhoff. This is, this is, hey, I'm an actor. Let me be in your movie type David Hasselhoff. This is basically Hasselhoff's, or as I shall now say, the Hoff, his second big budget film. Now, Maybe the word big budget for this production is a little over positive. Basically, the movie looks like it was shot for about a hundred bucks. I mean, it has some production value. It does have fairly decent looking models. Um, however, it was definitely it was definitely in that time prior to uh, uh, big budget special effects. Basically, the movie came out in 1978, so at this point, Star Wars had already been released and was a box office success, so of course, tons of movies started trying to rip it off. Um, this movie goes to the extent of ripping it off so much so that actually in one sequence, there's a lightsaber. Now, it's only in one scene. It's never explained why the character has it or where it came from, or what it is. No one ever goes, hey, what's that in your hand? Or, hey, don't do that. That's copyright infringement. No, never is mentioned, but it is a lightsaber. It has a hilt. It ignites. It turns on. It's a big, blue, glowing rod. He swings it like a lightsaber, and he kills some people. Now, it does not make the normal, like, vroom, 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 
you know, sound, that's a terrible impersonation of the lightsaber sound effect, but it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't make any of those sounds. So obviously they skirted the whole, you know, issues with the, the sound, but it's obviously a lightsaber. I almost feel like it's only in two minutes of the movie because they're worried that if it was in any longer, somebody would realize that they're just ripping off Star Wars. But besides that, uh, the rest of the, the special effects in this movie um, is interesting, to say the least. There's a lot of stop motion uh, robots. Let's just say, actually, I shouldn't say a lot. There's three. There's two small human-sized robots that don't really do anything more than just shake their right hand and nod a couple times as they're attempting to attack people. And then the other one is literally a gigantic, like, 150-foot-tall robot with exhaust ports for nipples. Seriously, you'd think I'd be making this up. I'm not making this up. This actually is in a film. It's in this movie. You can see it. This movie is currently on Netflix. I should have specified that at the beginning. I found this one on Netflix. It's available right now. Just look up Star Crash. Look up uh, Luigi Cozy if you wish to find some other more interesting films. Um, while you probably have never heard of anything else Luigi Cozy did since he was an Italian filmmaker uh, who did make American or English speaking, let me say that he made English speaking films that were then later redubbed in better American accents so you can understand them. Kind of did the same thing that uh, uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly did, where it was made in Italy, was spoken in English or as close to English as they could, and then for the American release, it was redubbed so we could actually understand them. Same basic thing happens in this film. Luigi Cozy did do another movie after he uh, successfully brought this film to the theater, and it was called Battle Beyond the Stars. Now, that one is also available on Netflix. It's very enjoyable, but you know what? I might have to save that one for another podcast, because that one definitely deserves its own one. So anyways, back to Star Crash. Let me give you a little bit of an uh, uh, overview of the storyline. If you've seen Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica and pretty much any other sci-fi film up to 1977 then you've seen this movie. Basically, the plot of this film is the following. There's two people who are on the run from Imperial people. The people themselves are actually hired by the Emperor to destroy a mysterious super weapon that will threaten the existence of the universe. And while they're at it, they are hired to recover the Emperor's missing son. Sound kind of familiar? sound kind of like the roles are just a little reverse? Well, basically, it's because it is. In reality, it is the plot of A New Hope. There's two people here, they have to stop a giant, mysterious weapon of some kind and save the missing offspring of somebody important. That's the plot. It, that's Princess Leia, that's Luke, that's Han. They have ships that fly through space. The only difference is, I think, or not I think, the only difference is the sex is different. But that's the point. It's so stupid and so obviously a ripoff of Star Wars that it's an amazingly funny film. The special effects make you laugh. They're so badly matted. They're so badly animated. There is a point in the film where the there's the sequence for like, four minutes of ships taking off and they're literally looping the same ship taking off like from two angles not even from multiple angles it you literally see the same ship take off in the same angle twice it's it's ridiculous it's so hilarious and and the the robot police officer oh that's just no spoiler i'm just 
I'm just rambling now about this part of the film because if it sounds like it's kind of jumping all over the place, it's because that's how this movie actually was. There was points where you just were like, where did, what, okay, okay, now we're here, okay. And I, I know there's clips of it on YouTube, so find it on YouTube. Hell, don't even find it on YouTube. Just put it on Netflix. It's that great of a film. But there's a police officer who's also a robot. And this robot who looks like a giant Mr. Coffee Machine um, befriends the two space vigilantes if you will and but the the funniest thing about his character is he's got a completely cliche redneck southern accent for no reason there's no explanation like it was he was he was he created by a bunch of rednecks that we, we don't know it's just that's that's the ridiculousness of it and the best part of this whole film let me tell you is the okay there's two things that are the best part i i I, there's so much about this movie i love that i i get confused let's do number one number one the main guy whose name i have no clue what it is because they really don't go i think they mention it one time in the beginning of the movie after that don't care never mention it again he basically looks like the fourth doctor now for those of you who don't know what i'm talking about Look up Doctor Who, look up Fourth Doctor, you'll see, you'll see this crazy guy with curly hair, probably wearing a funky colored, um, you know, outfit and scarf, and that's, that's basically what this guy reminded me of. I really felt like he was modeling himself after a Doctor Who, like he was trying to try out for the next Doctor Who. That's the, that's the mental image I got, because he's kind of quirky, he's goofy, he laughs, he thinks everything's funny, which is just weird even in the middle of like death he thinks it's funny so he's hilarious his death i will not spoil his death oh by the way he dies oops there's kind of a spoiler but you kind of see it coming his death now you'll get fooled because you'll think he died earlier in the film for like two seconds and then you'll realize there's no way in the hell he's dead so Keep watching. When he actually does die, the way he goes out is funny. Not the way he gets killed, but what happens as he dies is funny. If anybody has watched any sci-fi television show, specifically from the late 80s to the early 90s, which was on NBC and involved a guy who liked to travel through time by leaping, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, then you'll see why his death is hilarious. Because he just doesn't die normally. No, no, that'd be too good. So that's the first thing I love about this film. Second thing I love about this film. The villain's big, mysterious spaceship. Now, you think Star Wars, giant sphere. Makes sense. Kind of a planetoid, moon-shaped thing. Got it. That travels through space. There's a gravity to it. There's there's logical reasoning for why it would be a giant sphere that would travel through space. Okay. This movie, the villain's super ship is a giant, wait for it, hand. I'm going to give you two more seconds to let that sink in. Okay? It's a giant hand. It's literally a giant rectangle with five digits sticking up, which I know what you're thinking. Oh, well, maybe, you know, it looked kind of like a hand, but it didn't mean to. No, no, no. The fingers clench shut at one point, so it forms a fist. 
Does that prevent them from blowing the ship up at the end? No, they still do. Which, by the way, they blow up by sending one to two person personal carriers rocketing through space and crashing through this giant hand-shaped space station's glass windows. They just bust through. Does it suck people out? Does it screw up the interior atmosphere of the ship? No, they're just fine. It, they just bust through this glass and they keep fighting. Is there any purpose for the ship to be shaped like a giant hand? No, none that I can absolutely see. I can't see any reason. The only thing I could come up with was that maybe, maybe the hand and they'll build another giant hand, but that'd be like for the sequel. And maybe at one point those two hands would get together with the Death Star and play catch. That's the only thing I could think of. That's the only logical answer I could come up with in my head while watching this movie. It's that just, it's just what? That's all I have to say, and I don't even want to go into any more detail because this movie is so just mind-blowingly terrible that it's amazing. So I highly recommend you finding Star Crash on Netflix, but I highly do recommend you watching with a bunch of friends. It's a great, great film, very funny. You will think it's hilarious, I promise you. If anything, because of David Hasselhoff's amazing early days acting. Not that he's really gotten that much better, but he's still very funny in this movie. And with that, we come to the end of the first episode of Bottom of the Barrel. I do thank you for listening. If you do have any suggestions for any other films that you might have found on Netflix or Hulu, we take either one of them, please let us know by sending us an email at goodmovies at ghosthat.net. That's goodmovies at ghosthat.net. I'm not really sure why I repeated it, but you know, some of those people like to, you know, hear it twice in order for them to understand. Maybe you're one of those people. I don't judge. I also don't discriminate. I also don't hate against terrible movies, hence why I'm doing this. But anyways, I digress. What does that actually mean? Does anybody? I'm sure everybody knows. I say it all the time. I think I use it in the correct context. I just, you know, it's one of those things. Anyways, thank you all for listening to the very first episode of Bottom of the Barrel. I am Jeff Bell, and I shall see you next time with another great, amazing, and terrible, terrible film. Good night, everybody. Or good day or good afternoon, whenever you listen to it. That's the problem with the internet. It's kind of up in the air. So anyways, goodbye. For more information about this and other programming, visit our official website at www.ghostat.net. <laughs> I like the ending. <laughs>